Baseball and Umpire fans, and welcome to The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Joining us on this episode is a product of the British Columbia Baseball Umpire Association, a guy that has worked his way up to the Baseball Canada Umpire ranks and has done two national championships, is the most recent hire in minor league professional baseball, and though he will never admit it, he always skips leg day. That umpire, of course, is Craig Burke. Topics covered are getting into umpiring, working his way up to the BCBUA, receiving the Ron Butang Memorial Scholarship, and of course, some minor league baseball. So sit back, relax, get ready. It's coming! Hello, baseball and umpire fans, and welcome back to another episode of The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. What can I say? It's been a while since we've had the privilege of being together. I'm sorry it kind of cut you off cold turkey, didn't expect it. Baseball season in Saskatchewan got going here and... Play ball! You're out! Became the priority night after night. And during this time, we might have had a little addition to our family... So there's been a lot of late nights dealing with <coughs> Yes, that's right. We had a baby. Little girl, Molly. 6 pounds 14 ounces born on August 2nd, 2021 at 11:42 a.m. So while everyone else was out there enjoying their long weekend, my wife was hooked up to an epidural. I was holding her hand and we were going through Lamaze class in real time. But due to my fantastic coaching skills, everything went well. We were in and out of the hospital within a day. Baby's doing fine. Mom's doing fine. At this time, I want to thank everybody who has taken the time to reach out to us, to send us gifts, all that fun stuff. Really appreciate it. And we look forward to the coming days, weeks, months, years of having a Molly. A little sister for Rexton. There's no better time in the present than to get this off my chest. In the coming weeks shows, if you hear a baby in the background, you're not hearing things. Yes, we know you're an umpire and you might have trouble with your vision, but you're not hearing things. Good chance Molly's going to be somewhere in the room because this girl is addicted to being held. I'll just throw it out there. If you or someone you know is interested in holding a baby between the hours of 12 a.m. and 5 a.m., Saskatchewan Central Standard Time. Check us out on the Facebook Leading Edge Umpire Stories. Get a hold of us and you can come over and hold this baby because really, I'm fading. But you know how it is. I'm now the father of a little girl. How hard can it be? Anyways, moving on. In the interim, another reason why we had a delay is because I was having some equipment malfunction. Bought an iMac in 2012. Have been running it since Ran fantastically up to about three months ago and started to slow down, especially when I was doing podcasts because of the size and the bandwidth and all that CPU usage that it required. So I had to dig deep and with all the shipping delays and all that stuff all around the world, it took a while. Okay, maybe this is as good a time as ever. I'm often asked, what do I record in? Well, I record on GarageBand. Beautiful thing about Apple is that you do get this program free. It's a great recording software tool. There are so many cool sound effects and loops that are free in it. It's just really easy to record in and very user-friendly. 
When it comes to hardware and adding some of the sound effects, I use the Rode Rodecaster Pro Integrated Podcast Production Studio. That's a mouthful. And when it comes to microphones, my primary microphone is the Rode PodMic. It's only fair at this time that I send it a shout out to Rode themselves. They ran a firmware update recently and I was able to find some of the flaws within it. I sent them a heads up, hey, this doesn't work. And they were very accommodating. They sent out a nice little gift pack. They are a fantastic company to contact and to deal with. So I just want to say a big thank you to Rode for your ongoing efforts to make sure that we're providing the best sound quality possible and for the free gift bag and swag pack. And just to be fair, on a couple of occasions as a secondary microphone, I have used the Sennheiser E835. So there you have it, the equipment that I do use. Now back to the hardware in the computer. Like I said, I was having some problems editing and it was slowing down. So I decided, hey, let's get a new iMac. It's time to do it. Pull the trigger. I did it. New iMac shows up. It has no USB hubs. It's everything is gone to this USB-C stuff that's specifically to Apple. Then to make it interesting, of course, I like to use two monitors and there's no HDMI or Thunderbolt display port like I'm used to. So I have to order another piece in, another adapter. Again, putting money back into Apple's bank account. And if you're a stockholder, back in your dividend paycheck. But that's all in the past now because I'm talking and you're listening and that's my rant. So just a fair heads up to anybody, if you venture out and purchase a new iMac or a new Apple MacBook Pro, you're not getting any USB ports. So plan ahead and don't drink and drive. Typically at this time, we do a recap of the last episode, but since it's been about six months since we released an episode, let's just do a highlight of 2021 in Canadians who are working professional baseball. First things first, Stu Sherwater, Regina, Saskatchewan, worked Major League Baseball. Per internet sources out there on the World Wide Web, Stu was assigned to Crew 7, that was crew chief by Ted Barrett, seconded by Angel Hernandez, and also had Lance Barksdale. Like many other things in the world, I bet you COVID threw a disruptions because I got to watch Stu work with that crew for quite a bit, and then he got to move around. Like everybody right now in the situation that we're being handed and dealt, I'm sure it was a very trying year for Stu. Canada had some quarantine regulations. Doesn't matter if you had to leave the country for work or not. If you were coming back, you probably had to quarantine. Thus, one of the reasons why the Blue Jays did not make a return to Canada again until July 30th. Like everybody, I'm sure Major League Baseball was running into some scheduling concerns. But one thing they really didn't, I'm going to say got right this year, was when the Blue Jays returned to Canada back on July 30th versus the Kansas City Royals, working third base was Canada's own Stu Sherwater. Now, I already said who his crew was this year, but on that game, on the plate was Jeremy Rahak, First base, Andy Fletcher, and at second base was Will Little. So obviously that wasn't Stu, and I really feel like Major League Baseball made an effort to put Stu back in Canada and be closer and more accessible to his family. Now, I can't say this for sure, but I can only assume that Major League Baseball did that intentionally, and if they did, kudos to Major League Baseball for getting that part of the schedule right in 2021. Now, since we're talking a little bit about Major League Baseball and getting the schedule right, it might not pertain to Canada, But one of the things that was really neat over the 2021 season was the Field of Dreams game in Dyersville, Iowa. Any fan that watched Field of Dreams growing up and got to tune into that game was really treated to a special, I'm going to say once in a lifetime treat. Yes, they can go back and do it again next year and do it every year, but nothing beats the first time. Again, 
one thing that Major League Baseball tried to do that was personal? They put Iowa native Pat Holberg on the plate. How cool is that? Work a game in your home state that doesn't actually have Major League Baseball. Such a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Now, if you're interested about hearing a little bit more about that, check out our show description and you'll find a link to the story. That's enough talk, I'd say, about Major League Baseball. Let's do a little tour around Minor League Baseball. Let's start off in the city that rhymes with fun native Regina, Saskatchewan, Kevin Manzik. Kevin worked in the High A West League, also formerly known as the Northwest League. Now let's get out of the British Columbia, Oregon, Seattle area and fly all the way down to Florida or the Gulf Coast League, where we check in with Alex Laurie, who's been working hard in rookie ball as he works to try to make the next step. So great work to our former guests, Alex and Kevin. Working hard to get to that next level. Keep it up. We look forward to following you in 2022. Now, moving on to other Canadians who have worked or are working minor league baseball. Matthew Blackborough from Stony Creek, Ontario. He worked the Low A East League. Interesting baseball fact about him. Referee Magazine has indicated that he is the first ever umpire hired to professional minor league baseball born after 2000. Let's reflect on that for a second. Makes a sexy beast of a guy like myself feel old considering I thought the world was going to end in 2000. Now, patrolling the AA Northeast League this year, you have two people out of Ontario, Benjamin Rosen from Thornhill, and pardon me on the pronunciation and enunciation of this, but out of Mount Hope, Ontario, Stephen Jasinski. I think that's the best I've ever done it. Only took 25 takes. Now, working AAA East out of Hamilton, Ontario, Takahito Matsuda, and out of Waterdown, Christopher Marco. Another fantastic baseball umpire news from here in Canada. Olympics have happened. Trevor Grieve got to go. He got assigned to work third base in the gold medal game. It was really fantastic to watch him work throughout that whole championship and to work that gold medal game. So congratulations, Trevor. We really know it's been a trying year for everybody, but we really hope to bring Trevor back here on the leading edge so that we can hear about his experiences and give him the opportunity to share it. I know there's a lot of people that are interested in it, so stay tuned. Never know what's coming down the chute. What did you say, Mr. or Mrs. Producer? You have breaking news. That's right. This is as breaking as it can be. Well, four, maybe six months later, we missed a Canadian umpire. He goes by the name of Craig Burt, right out of British Columbia. Craig was called the last two weeks of the season and worked the former Gulf Coast League. But if you've read the show description, you probably already know. So without further ado, Leading Edge Entertainment is proud to introduce British Columbia native, the newest hire to minor league baseball, and a guy that's got a COVID swab or two, Craig Burt. Craig, welcome to the leading edge. Hey, Phil, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. And like I said, what are you like the newest umpire in minor league baseball right now? Yeah, I'm one of the two, actually. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Jared Durson. Um, he's from Texas. He was hired a couple, actually, it's funny. He was hired after me, but he worked before me. We'll get into that in a bit, but first off, got to start the show by saying congratulations on getting the call to minor league baseball, and I look forward to talking about it, but before we get into it, we need to ask you, like we ask everybody, did you play baseball? I wouldn't really call much of a background. I mean, I played. I wasn't the greatest, 
I know I could swing the bat okay. I could play an okay catcher. Didn't really have the drive to play anything competitive. Just was out there having fun, hit the ball. Throw ball, hit ball far. Isn't that what throw it's the, all about? And throwing the occasional runner out. Yeah. Throwing guys out. So it sounds like you do have a background. What were you, a catcher? Yeah. Yeah, catcher, third base-ish. That was about it. Kind of makes sense. All these catchers get into the game, get a few head injuries, and, well, they become umpires. Probably just should ask Blaze that one. <laughs> well, that's exactly where I was going with that one. Well, it wouldn't be fair. <laughs> He's not really here to defend himself, but we'll let the listeners decide. But let's not talk too long about him. It's all about you. How many years did you play baseball? Oh, I played like all the way from the grassroots uh, right up through minor league baseball. Played a year of junior men's. Realized I didn't have the drive to actually play baseball. So I hung up the baseball spikes and uh, picked up the slow pitch bat. So I still play, but now it's a little more fun. Oh man, you took the wind right out of my sails. I can't even deal with slow pitch. So let's get to it. When did you get involved with umpiring? Got into base umpiring baseball when I was 11, and I'm 25 now, so over half my life. Essentially, what happened was uh, my mom was taking me to register for baseball because they were still doing it in person, and this is before like everything was online. And there was like a science fair type booth, I guess you could call it, for umpiring. And I was like, "How old do you have to be for that?" And the person doing the registering asked how old I was. I said I was 11. He was like, "Sure, why not?" So I've been umpiring kind of ever since. Welcome to the club. There is no exclusivity. Yeah. Sign up and you're in. Yeah, and it's anyone who knows about from my area who knows anything is that's uh, Chilliwack for you. And if you have any pre-existing head injuries, don't delay. Register today. Exactly. But I find that funny. You mentioned it's like a science fair booth. Umpiring is like a science. Some people will say it's an art. Others will say it's guesswork. I guess you could say it's a science. If you break it down enough. It's open to debate. There's theories. There's mechanics. There's hypotheses. But the thing I'm most impressed with is you mentioned back before everything was online. Like, that's a long time ago. You know what? I I like to say everyone around like the mid-20s to late-20s grew up in a good time. Like, you know, in the summer, I went outside and played ball, played ball hockey, played at at the school, played soccer. But then at the same time, we all also grew up with smartphones and, you know, we, some of us had the first generation iPhone when we were in middle school, high school. So we still remember what it was like to play outside, but we also grew up with the technology. Yep. That's right. You're part of the generation that got to play Pokemon Go during the intermission at ball hockey. Oh, exactly. Catch them all and score them all. That's the motto. Okay. You mentioned Chilliwack. What are some of the things yes. that you remember about umpiring in Chilliwack? It would, we'd be lucky if we had a UIC. So the park in Chilliwax is called Fairfield Island. And figuratively and literally, Chilliwack is on an island. Not so much now. There's been a lot of people that do a lot of work in regards to that. But typically, climate change. You know, if you're, yeah, climate change and uh, culture change. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was few and far between. No, no real support. Um, I think our, our uniform was a t-shirt that had the Chilliwack minor baseball logo on it. And it was, we had the only real support we had was the one BCBUA clinic a year. And after that, it was go nuts. We kind of learned trial by fire. Kind of a have at her attitude. I get it. Come from a place that was like that. But the nice thing as time rolls on, the various provinces in their umpiring program are helping umpires at the grassroots level 
provide mentorship, work their way up through the Baseball Canada program. The goal is to get people started off on the right foot. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why, like, I take great pride. Like, I've said many people, like, I would rather go out and mentor two young umpires than probably work an actual game. Just because I know what it was, I knew I know what it was like to grow up with an umpire with no real support system because no one really seemed to care or sort of felt like. So I'd almost rather go out and mentor a couple younger umpires than work a local game myself. I think this is the best time as any to give a big kudos to all the organizations and the individuals that do go out and try to mentor. As we know, a lot of umpires are volunteers. They give their time and effort. Sure, maybe occasionally they make an honorarium to do a game. But a majority of the umpires are really out there to give back to the game because they know what it was like to not have a mentor or anybody support them growing up. And no question with the grassroots movements going on in various organizations, we understand that if we don't support officials at a young age, we will lose them and never really get them back. Yeah, and I'm going to pump our tire, our Chillock Minor Baseball's tires here real quick. But but I, I, I can confidently say that there's only two of us. I'll say two and a half. Another guy named Mark Penner, he, he's, he just started his own fishing charting company, so he's a little busy, but, and I don't blame him. That makes him way more money than umpiring does. <laughs> yes. Myself and the aforementioned our URC, our UIC, Mark Luknowski, I can confidently say every single young umpire gets mentored twice a year, one on the plate, one on the bases. That's something I really take pride in, that we have been growing our community here in Chilliwack for the past, ever ever since Mark became the UIC, which is probably going back, let's say three years ago, mm-hmm. maybe even longer. How many umpires or young umpires would you say that you have within Chilliwack Minor Baseball or the organization? En- enough to have our own clinic. We very rarely need to outsource our clinics for other umpires we usually can get enough you know level one umpires to fill and we'll fill our fill the whole clinic which is about like 30 umpires or so maybe more well that's great to hear that you have numbers and i shouldn't say it like it's an official statistic but there is a perception that we are losing officials all around the country and world and this just isn't limited to baseball it's minor sports in general so i do like to hear that there's some focus on grassroots and young umpire development And I have to say, it's really good to hear that there's some focus on not just recruiting. And I say this before, and I'll always say it. Recruiting, I don't think, is ever an issue. I think a lot of people come and give it a try, and they go, it's not for me. It's the retention that we need to work on and retaining people. Because you get them two or three years, they get the jitters out, they figure out some of the basics, and then they're gone. So the mentoring, I really hope, will fill that gap because... I mean, I was an idiot. I come out and I'm still here, but there's always people that'll give the, give it a shot. Yeah, I was going to say, it take, takes two, three years to get jitters out. I'm still getting my jitters out. Yeah, I know. It's your first time in Leading Edge Podcast. It's real scary time. It's oh, real scary. Terrifying. Yeah. Okay, let's move on from your minor baseball days and talk. You've worked through the BCBUA and the Baseball Canada Umpire System. You have worked a national championship. Share with us. Two. Too. Okay, great. Share with us <laughs> how you worked your way up. It kind of actually started um, with a few people. One would be Mike Green. He's a he's a no well known umpire and uh, here in BC, really good guy. Really, really good guy. It was at a, Chilli- a level two ch- clinic in Chilliwack, and our the level two clinic 
classroom session was done. And my little brother was in the level one and I, he was the only, Mike was the only one in the gym. And I offered my assistance being 17 years old, been doing this for however long I, you know, I let probably like to think I knew what I was doing and, you know, offered my assistance. He said, no, it's okay. We're finished up. But he, then he took me off to the side and said, I think you should go to your level three next year. I don't know how you are with the rule book, but based just purely based on what I see from mechanics in the gym, you make one heck of an umpire at the higher levels. So I was like, okay, I took that. And then I actually ended up that year, I ended up working my very first provincial championship. That was 2014. And actually Rhonda Pauls and Steve Butang, both I believe you've had on your show. Yep. Um, they were the supervisors. And uh, I'm sure if you ask them, I was a treat in my retro hockey shin pads and metal baseball cleats trying to umpire at a provincial level. But yeah, and then that was kind of what sparked the drive for the high performance. And then I kind of grew, I kind of went up the ranks, you know, level three, went to a couple of those clinics. And then I was asked to go to the umpire academy, which I was the first class of the renaissance umpire academy because i believe steve's dad ron Butang, did one back in the day as well um so basically what the umpire academy is is it's a weekend up in kamloops though actually it's the weekend before bc's national national clinic um and a lot of the higher performance guys are there instructing um actually ronda was there steve uh, phil bourgeois Sean Weatherill, another guest on this show. Unfortunately, uh, I believe Mark. <laughs> I believe Mark Bodwell was there as well as that was there as well. And just a bunch of younger, up and coming umpires that BC has identified as. Hey, these are going to be good umpires if they, with a with the right instruction and grooming. And you spend a weekend up in Kamloops getting classroom instruction, on field instruction games you get we uh we umpire actually umpire games and get feedback after the game so after the umpire academy that's kind of when my career per se took off i went to the other level three clinic that's when i actually i met Stu sherwater there and then i got invited to an advanced clinic i met and Stu was there again with trip gibson and i got even higher level um instruction and then i went to my first national clinic and i which in the process led me to getting my national level four certification, I guess you could call it, at, in 2017. And then I worked my first national in 2018, second one 2019. So in the span of, yeah, four years, I guess four years, because 2014 would be my first provincial. In the span of four years, I worked a couple provincials, a Western championship, got my national, got my national certification and worked a national, all because of this umpire academy. Now, you had a quick progression, but most importantly, yeah. you had the attitude. Now, I know that we hammer appearance and uniform. It's a big thing, and I'm an appearance person. Everyone knows that. But locally, I'd rather see an umpire, a young umpire, show up with a great attitude, the drive to get better, and we can work on appearance. I do think it's intimidating for a lot of umpires to go out and spend a lot of money on a jersey, on a pair of pants, on a hat. In their, before they even work their first game. So one, I applaud the organizations and the mentors that are trying to outfit these 
young umpires so that they look the part. But two, I want to applaud the umpires that come out with a great attitude. We can all hit up our favorite AtlanticOfficials.ca to get our uniform. Anybody can pay $89.99 to have a pair of shoes. But it doesn't matter what your promotion code is, you can't buy an attitude. Yeah, exactly. And that's like an example even, right here. And even, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going back and giving back. I think you're talking about mentoring. I, there's a, I need him to come back to umpire. He's a really good umpire. But uh, just so happened that a younger umpire didn't have plate shoes. And I was had an old pair kicking around and we happened to be the same size. I just, here you go. Yeah. Take them. Pass them down. And exactly. I try to encourage my fellow officials don't wear your gear to the ground. Try to save a little life into it so that you can pass it down to a young umpire. The beautiful thing about working higher level baseball is it typically pays a little bit more. Reinvest in your gear at maybe the 75% time and hand that stuff down so that we can give back in various ways. I've been at the field and I'm like, hey, here's a hat. Don't worry about it. When you give that to a young person who has the attitude, they really feel supported in the sense of, Somebody does care about me because it doesn't matter for some people how much time effort you put into it. They don't see it, but people are very materialistic and you give them something. They feel like you have supported them. <laughs> In a nutshell. Yes. Yeah. So you've gone now, you're working your first national championship. Where's your first national championship? My first national championship was a 13 U Western in the lovely city of Brandon, Manitoba. It is a lovely um, city. To drive through. <laughs> yeah. Blink. Yeah. What, Ashton? Um, no. I was a 13U Western. Okay. Really, I had a really, really fun time. Really good supervisors. Uh, Rocky Nickel, Rob Stevenson. Um, they had a lot of good feedback for me. Um, I ended up with a bronze medal plate, which I know you want the gold medal, but I was honestly... I consider myself still a wet, uh, uh, wet behind the ear. You worked the game that day. Was, That's the important to, thing. I was happy to. I was happy to be there. But yeah, it, I had a lot of fun. Actually, I went with. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, uh, Mark Penner. Um, me and him kind of had the same progression. We went to the Umpire Academy, got our national together, and it, it was a story. But the, to the bookend, we uh, we worked our first national together. Um, he got gold medal plate. Really solid umpire, really solid umpire. I'd work with I'd work with him any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Well, you mentioned the name Rocky Nickel. Rocky just recently inducted into the Baseball Saskatchewan I Hall saw, of Fame and Museum. I saw that. Yeah, so congratulations out to Rocky. I had the opportunity to attend that night. It was a great ceremony. And if you check out the Baseball Saskatchewan umpire page, you might be able to see the little blurb of it. But back to you, who was on your crew there in 2017? I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the uh, pronunciation of his last name, but it's Ruben Lipschick, I believe. He's from Alberta, and then uh, a local guy by the name of Cornelius Lowen. Ruben and Cornelius and Craig. Yes, that are, that is a great naming crew there. Yeah, it was a lot of it was a good time. We uh, it's a solid crew. We worked really well together. I've had the opportunity to go to a national clinic with him, and we were playing a game. It was a rules based game, and. The dude nailed every rule reference right, like, bang. The guy knows oh, his rule book. He's an encyclopedia. He's a very diehard baseball fan. I'd say he's a smart baseball fan, but he cheers for the Red Sox. So I'm not, um, that's where it ends. 
Okay, so you and Steve cheering for the Yankees. One too many headshots. <laughs> okay, now is your chance to sell Brandon Manitoba. What was some of the fun stuff you did? Oh, this was really cool. Um, so normally, anyone who's worked in Nashville would know one of the nights you go out for the crew dinner. So rather than doing a crew dinner, what we all did, we pitched, we you took our per diem and pitched in, and one of the guys went and got these like massive steaks, like not did not cheap out. And we had a full-on steak dinner on the patio at the back of the hotel. Steak, baked potatoes, all the fixings. It was, it was a, a couple adult beverages. No, that was probably one of the coolest things uh, we did. Besides, obviously, the baseball. But that was awesome. When I hear that, that's what it's all about. That is one of the cool things about going to a Baseball Canada National Championship. Sure, working games on the field, fantastic. Work hard, do it. But the camaraderie off the diamond, these are the stories that live with you forever. I absolutely love hanging out with my crew and everybody else there away from the diamond. Okay, I've heard the steak story before, but I want you to share with me who went out and bought the steaks and who was the master chef of the evening? Kirk Schaefer. Kirk Schaefer is an absolute beauty. He's probably one of the best guys I've met through baseball. Whether or not, well, my reputation probably precedes me, but I'm not a small human. He calls me, he called me pipsqueak all weekend. And he's a very short human, and I called him Stretch all weekend. (laughs) Kirk is a beauty, high energy. I've had the opportunity to work with Kirk regularly here in Saskatchewan. Actually, lives about 40 kilometers away from me. But I can. You're a lucky man. Yeah, we are. He's high energy, and he's always a lot of fun to be part of and work together. Oh, and another fun story about Kirk, real quick. He's taken me out fishing on his boat before, picked me up, brought the tackle, brought everything. We went fishing for a day. I caught six fish. He caught none. I caught fish on his boat with his equipment, and he caught nothing. All I can say is, man, was he grumpy that day. Oh, and better yet, I'm not really much of a fish fan. So at the end of the day, we had these fish, and he's like, what are you going to do with them? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to touch them. Well, he got them, so we made up for it. Just going to send it out there. That's the beautiful thing about the umpire community. Oftentimes, you get to meet up away from the diamond. And I wouldn't have met Kirk if it wasn't for baseball. So, very fortunate for that. Okay, tell us about your second national championship. Second national championship. This was a cooler experience simply because it was actually a home game. It was also a 13U um, Western, but it was in Cloverdale, which is approximately 45 to two hours, depending on traffic, away from Chilliwack. Um, it was, yeah, it was really just awesome because I was in my home province. I was able to work. I ended up working the gold medal game, third base, you know, family could come out and watch, um, which is a really cool experience. It, it was just, it was the same, but different because new people, new atmosphere, new, new evaluators. Speaking of which, I believe you had Corey Davis on the, uh, on the show before, correct? Yes. I was one of the uh, umpires that got tricked into thinking we were doing 7 a.m. cardio <laughs> the, the morning before the game started. Such a keener. I, when I heard that story told, I was like, huh, yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Confessions here on the leading edge. No, uh, no, it was an awesome. Yeah, who else? Uh, Corey Davis, Steve Butang, and uh, John Oko were my, were my uh, supervisors and also three stand-up dudes. 
I, I can remember when the supervisor and the technical committees came out in 2019 and I went, holy cow, that 13U Western is going to get some high-level supervisors. Yeah, and we did. We got high-level supervision, but we got some high-level tearing apart. No, tearing apart is not, not the right word to say, but we, we were told a few times, you're better than this, so be better. And I had the opportunity to torque Steve the couple of weeks before at the Canada Cup, so he was definitely coming off of. Uh, he was ready to rip people because he did a real good job. Residual grumpiness. Thank you, Phil. So you got the opportunity to work the gold medal game. Are there any other memorable experiences from that weekend? This one's bad. I don't. Okay. That's this one doesn't stick out for me as much as because that wasn't my first, and I'll 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 uh, I'll take some blame for. It. I didn't really prioritize baseball that weekend i looked at it i brought my golf clubs with me because i was because of the home game probably spent a little bit too much time disconnected from the tournament but i still had fun at the tournament i was with a good some good guys like i talked about mike green he was there as well he actually got gold medal plate he had an amazing tournament uh, lane yakumchuk really good up and coming umpire in bc um he'll work his fair share of nationals i, I actually think he should go to pro school personally but no, a really, really good, solid group of guys. He's from Winnipeg, I believe. His name Bob. Bob Ladd? Yes, yes, yes. Me, myself, Bob, and Mike worked the gold medal game. That was that was a, that was a good that was a high performance crew. The memories. It's all about the memories. All I can recommend is people go to national championships, take it all in. Don't take time off. Really immerse yourself because they're great weekends that we'll talk about for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. You never know who you're going to run into. That's yeah, my lecture. I definitely, I yeah, I definitely regret not uh, prioritizing baseball that weekend. Live and learn. If you hadn't have done it, you wouldn't have learned about it. Okay, let's move on for the Baseball Canada Empire program and talk a little bit about your minor baseball league experience. When did you get the great idea to go to professional umpire school? I kind of always I had it a little bit in the back of my mind when I first met Stu. Um, that would have been, I think, 2016, 17. Um, you know, Canadian umpire, almost in the MLB you know, I think oh, I could probably, you know, give it at least give it a shot, go down. At least I can say I went. Mm-hmm. Make it work. Um, but what really inspired me to uh, go to umpire school was actually at my uh, n- national in 2019. He knows, but as much as I like to poke fun at Steve because he pokes fun at me, I look up to that man with the utmost admiration and sure like i said he makes fun of me but when he's giving me feedback or you know just just talking to me he's he's a, he's a person in my life that i i am on the edge of my seat and i hold on to every word he says actually when i got my end of tournament evaluation and i got a kind of a ribbing for you know not taking care of some off field stuff um, I felt really defeated because I felt like I let Steve down. And he knows that. We talked after. But he he told me that you could go down to pro school, show up, show out, and get yourself a job. That's how much I believe in you as far as being a good umpire. You figure you get the rules nailed down, you will be. You can be a professional umpire. It was kind of that a mix with a couple other personal life things. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to I'm, I'm going to I'm going to umpire school. So when and where did you go to umpire school? 
I went to Wendelstad. The only um, I don't want to. There, there's there's two schools. Yep. There's umpire school and there's the the other school. Yep. I went to Wendelstad in January 2020. Out of that, I got put into the advanced course, or as some people know, as P Buck. I think professional baseball umpire course was what it stands for. Out of the advanced course, I which is put on by minor league baseball. I got a job. I was placed in the Gulf Coast League, which is now called the Florida Complex League, but same thing, rookie ball. And then good old COVID. Yep. Shut down, shut down the minor league system completely. A wash. So I had, yeah. So yeah, that, that was the beginning and brief end to my professional umpire career. First season anyways. You get the glorious news. Hey, it's January, February, you know, prepare your summer. It's, going to be different then pandemic hits no season how does 2021 play out for you i picked a great time to get into professional baseball phil i tell you what yes you can't predict the pandemic but between covid canceling the season and then major league baseball taking control of minor league baseball and axing almost every single short season league at one point in time, there was 48 umpires without a job. That had already worked. That had already worked. I, myself included. Even though I didn't work a single game, we okay. were considered to have one year of service time under our belt. Okay. So there was 48 umpires without a job okay. because Major League Baseball cut all these teams and the leagues. And then as time goes by, we find out, yes, Major League Baseball is in fact doing rookie ball. Um, and they're handing out 38 contracts. Okay. So that means there's going to be 10 of us that we're not going to get a contract right away. Those 10 would be placed into the Appalachian League, which is owned by MLB and is kind of like a collegiate summer league, okay. essentially. I was, well, I was the 10th of 10 to not get a contract. So not only did I not get a contract, I was on the very bottom of the totem pole to get moved into professional baseball. So it was a long summer. <laughs> Hill to climb. Long summer, especially with there being very little, if any, baseball to work until June, July over here. Did you go down and work the Appalachian League? No, because they don't take international umpires. They only use Americans. I'm assuming... It's visa st- visa issues, like they don't want to money, time, etc. Right. Long long story short, no, I didn't because I couldn't. Okay. My assumption too would be money. Everything in the United States, from my interpretation, is tax, money, jobs, and employment laws. We're in Canada. Yes, we do make some money in Canada when we umpire, but it's more of an honorarium than it is an employee an employer paid salary. Yeah. That is slowly changing, I think, in Quebec. And I think there's going to be a big revolt when we talk about young officials in Quebec. I know there's talks in Quebec of making people claim their officiating money and it's getting into a different level that could be detrimental to amateur sport. That's all I'm going to say on that because it's... That that would be really unfortunate. It would be because... How are you ever going to get that 13 or 14 year old to claim the $35 they made today? Like, is that really tipping the scale on the tax? I don't know, but it's been going on in the States for years. So 
I'm not even going to get into it. So you're not working the Appalachian League. You're back up here in Canada, just chilling out in Chilliwack, BC. What are you doing? Uh, back to the not being a small human thing. I am working and working out. Working and working um, out. And waiting for a phone call. Yeah, exactly. And I am working as much baseball as I possibly could. If it meant, like, I left work early um, one Friday to go work a, a nighttime doubleheader yep. in Langley, which is about 45 minutes away. And I was I worked as much baseball as I possibly could to stay fresh, stay sharp, um, just waiting. Were you and getting regular it, updates along the way, or was it kind of hit or miss? Or just like yes, yes and no. My boss, uh, head of umpire development, his name is Dusty Dill- Dusty Dillinger. Very good man. What a great name! Um, yeah, it was a great, great baseball name. Um, great name in general. No, he's a very good man. He he knew my position and he knew my let's say intestinal fortitude to wanting to do this um and he he provided me i want to say consistent updates but like case in point um about a month to half a month before i inevitably got called up he shot me a text said craig we're making moves into we're making moves into professional baseball you're next be ready. He didn't have to do that. Fair. I, I got I got enough updates to kind of keep me online. Nice. So you're told to get ready. Eventually, how did it all unfold for you? Oof. Um, I am a rather emotional person, but I don't think I shed that many tears in my life than I did that day I got called. Um, I was on my way to help my grandfather with just some menial chores and before I started work and I'm getting a phone call at seven thirty in the morning thinking, Who the heck's calling me at seven thirty in the morning? Pull my phone out and it says Dusty Dillinger, M I L B head of umpire development. I nearly crashed my truck into my grandfather's Cadillac. <laughs> um, and I pick up the phone and I am already super emotional because there's only one reason why Dusty's calling me tells me he's making a move tells me it's uh, mark my calendar as August 27th that's the the, to the day I got called to professional baseball um congratulations all that stuff that was kind of it I had my own little like freak out in my truck um then the first thing I started doing is getting on the horn and calling everyone um called my mom first she works at a uh, institution here so she doesn't have her phone on her but try to work phone just busy called my dad through tears i said i need to get a covid test he's like why what's wrong because because i'm going to florida and then <laughs> i i can only imagine and then he started cheering and getting all happy for me he got off the phone with him uh ended up calling my grandmother and just other influential people in my life that you know it's it's been a, it was a long year and a half before I got called. You want to break it all down. so. Oh, no question. Yeah, a lot of ups and downs in that you know, year for a lot of different reasons and not just umpiring. So, Yeah. So you get a call from minor league baseball to show up in August. Isn't August typically a playoff push? No, so there's no, there's actually, no, because it's not, well, A, there's no playoffs. There's no playoffs in uh, the rookie ball league this year anyways. Right. Um 
but even then, like, they needed guys. Yeah, you can't they, play with it on bodies. And and even then, you can't you can't finish a season with local guys. Like, yes, they are adequate. They are obviously adequate enough to be able to do the job, but you don't want to use them all for the rest of the year. Essentially, I got called. It's even, it's even worse for them because being an international umpire, I have to be in the States for X amount of days for my papers to clear. Okay. So I was actually in Florida for three weeks and only worked for the last two. I got a, I got a week-long vacation in Tampa Bay, essentially. <laughs> Paid for by baseball. Take what you can, I guess. Exactly. But the most important thing is that you have gotten your feet wet in minor league baseball and you've got to work your first game, so those jitters are out of the way. Oh, it was hot and sweaty. That's what um, they say about that Gulf Coast League. Florida, it's a, it's also called a gear ruiner. Um, <laughs> I can appreciate that. Yeah. Hot, but no, humid. Oh, yeah. Oof. It was nasty. Um, first game, doubleheader. I had the bases first uh, with my partner. Uh, I had him for a week and a half or so. His name's Nelson Fraley. He's actually just from Tampa. Really good guy. He, I couldn't have asked for a better partner to teach me how to, like, the job off the field. Being there on time. Not that I'm not, not that I'm not a punctual person when it comes to arriving at the field on time for umpiring, but, like, we were at, we were always in the field an hour and a half early because we had to rub baseballs. We want he wanted to walk me around each park because I haven't been there before. Um, you know, messaging the manager or the team contact to confirm game times. Like he he taught me so much about the off the field stuff. Couldn't have asked for a better first partner. Um, anyways, back to the games. So doubleheader we had the Rays and Braves. In the first game, I was like, as a base umpire, uh, who's playing first base for the Rays? None other than G-Man Choi. <laughs> he was doing he was doing a rehab stint. Wow. Um, and that he's a funny dude and speaks perfect English. Why wouldn't he? Which, yeah, which it was, it was just funny. We had a couple. We had a good good conversation or two. And then also uh, Brett Phillips was also DHing. Well, are you working minor league baseball? Or are you working professional baseball here? Apparently. Yeah, Brett Phillips hit one of the longest home runs I've ever seen. Um, so in Tampa, they use their actual like major league spring training facility. Okay. So if you ever watch a spring training facility in the Tampa Bay is home, that's the same park. And it's about, you know, your average distance to center, call it 400. And then there's, say, like a 50-foot patio. Mm-hmm. That like you get there's tables and you can whatever there's a bar right there. Yeah, he hit the roof. He hit the roof of the building behind the patio. Like <laughs> that ball was gone. Gone. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. So yeah, that game went over just fine. And then we flip. I would go behind the plate. This was actually one of the cooler things. So my first ever plate job, Canadian. The pitcher for the Braves, his first ever appearance in professional baseball also canadian that's cool i'm sure we'll, i mean we'll get into it a little more but there's a lot of cool different things that happened like regarding baseball and all that kind of stuff it was baseball is really funny so fast real quickly fast just fast forward um I, I went to the pirates facility and who was there but the canadian junior national team and i actually ran into a player who i just umpired in his league's provincial championship 
he's from Abbotsford, which is 20 minutes from me. So just different and different things like that. And one of my partners for the last, for the last half a week and my very last game this season, Mr. Alex Laurie. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's what? Eight, nine, eight, nine umpires in professional baseball. And you had two of them work together. That we never would have met otherwise because he's from Nova Scotia. Right. And I'm from Vancouver. I'm from BC. Complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. You go back to the Canadians in minor league baseball and in baseball in general. Look at last year. Stu Shearwater gets his first opportunity to work playoff baseball. His first plate. And he works two games. Right. And he works the plate. And who is playing? Cincinnati Reds, Joey Votto, Ryan Garland, and Jeremy Nash. Both previous guests here, they love him. Big fans of Joey Votto. Baseball in Canada, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I wouldn't trade it for the world. That was, even though it sucks, it was only three weeks. And I've been telling people now that I'm home, like that last game, because I, I even got evaluated once while I was down there. Okay. That last game, it just clicked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got this. Now, time to go home. A little taste of it, and now it's like, take it away, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. But no, it was it was good. I I can't wait for next year. Is there a guarantee next year, or is it a? How does this work? It's I am I am I am now set. I am in minor league baseball. Um, I don't know exactly when um, I'll be going down because when, where, mentioned. or anything like that. But you're yeah. you're more rostered than you were. Yes, I am very much so rostered. The only crappy thing, and we don't have to get into the details of it, but minor league, minor league umpires CBA is up, so they have to deal with that before everything and before any other logistics gets figured out. Yeah, you guys deal with that. We also have the MLB player CBA that'll be due, so we'll be interested to see what unfolds there. Let that let let the people in the board roam. You just go out and umpire. Just worry about that. Exactly. And it's going to happen. You don't have to reply to this, but you got to think of it. Some of these communities have been starved to baseball for a year now, and they just got it back. Like, there's a priority to get back on the field. The teams cannot not play. So just think, just stay positive with that. But back to your games when you're there. Any interesting situations happen? Besides me leaving leaving my very first plate job from heat exhaustion, five and a half innings in, that's why they call it rookie ball. Oh, that's that that's a tough day. Tough day at the oh, office. I had. Well, I guess you I were on game two, a, technically, weren't you? Yes, I would have been on game two. Okay, yes. I'll so give you a break. At that point, at that point, it was five and a half hours in the Florida sun. But no, the the absolute temper tantrum I threw when I got back in the room for not being able to finish my very first game. Oh, yard sale! Absolute yard sale. Um, but no, as far as interesting stuff, nothing really no happened. Big, no, no plays, no interferences, obstructions. Um, I had a actually my very first plate game. I had a batter. I had an inter batter interference on a steal of second, but there was strike three, so I had to bang the batter and the uh, runner out. Manager didn't like that. And then what else I have? I had oh on a bunted ball. I had an illegally batted ball. So, player did it a second like, time? Was, oh, no, he bunt and he started the back of the box, two, three steps forward, laid a bunt down, and his foot is like a foot 
outside the front edge of the bat, the batter's box. Was like, that's the easiest call of the, one of those calls I've ever had. Well, that's interesting to hear. Typically, you hear about those stories at 13U Baseball. So interesting to hear that it's happening in professional baseball. And it goes to show not to take any plays off. Yeah, does it? Yeah, it, a lot of stuff happens at that level. It's don't get me wrong. They're still professional players. They are dang good at what they do, but it's not the always the greatest baseball. No, it, it, the right, but rookie level has always been entry level baseball. Depending on which pathway you choose, you could be out of high school. You could be one or two years of junior college. It really depends on when you're going to make your professional baseball debut. So some players need time to get reps in, to understand the game. Yep. Very rarely do players show up at the major league level at 19 and are ready to go. That's why there's been so many critics of somebody like Vladimir Guerrero in the Blue Jays because he advanced through minor league baseball so quick. At one time, it wouldn't be uncommon for you not to make the major leagues until you were 23, 24. You spent some time in the yeah, minors well, getting even, better. Well, even then, like, the reason why, like, I feel no real craziness happened. Like, I, some guys, they had three, four ejections, yes, over the course of a couple months, but I didn't really even come close to one. And it's not because, oh, I banged every call and all this stuff because I'm a, that good of an umpire. No, it's I feel like the managers understand that both the players and the umpires are at the same level. For sure. The players are the players are at the lowest totem pole, wrong on the totem pole, in professional baseball as far as playing well the umpires are also at the lowest rung on the totem pole for umpiring Mm -hmm. yeah sure they're not going to be happy with some things but they don't get too too worked up about it i'm going to say it so you don't have to the reality about rookie baseball is nobody is looking at the standings the goal of rookie baseball is to make sure that people get reps and that people are progressing teams managers know that there is a system in place and if umpires are not making the grade just like players, they'll get replaced. Yeah, with 100% humidity. Well, so interesting that you bring up 100% humidity and you call it the gear ruiner. Did you get any new gear or were you told to use your stuff from last year and got to show off what you got? Because we all know you bought an extra small shirt last year just because. So at the advanced course, so now this is 2020. Right. We got We tried on everything. Pants, jerseys, jacket, hat, etc. They with them thinking, okay, at some point this umpire will probably eventually be in professional baseball, so we'll need to know their info. Tried to try it on, and the jacket isn't like the trash bag style. It's like the nicer quarter zip with the the the, the stuff on the side, on the arms, the okay. shoulders. Tried on a large at advanced course, and it fit perfectly. It was perfect. Not too big, not too small. Perfect. I get down to Tampa and I unbox my package from Umpatire that was there waiting for me. Try on the jacket. It's a little tight. <laughs> I don't have to wear a jacket in yeah. GCI. Like, what are you wearing a jacket ever, for so anyway? It's fine. Yeah, we got and nothing. The only thing I really think new I got was my uniform, which was the coolest thing ever unboxing that and like opening up and like trying it on, hats, everything. Like, I'm a little bit of a, I don't want to say a gear snob, but I like my gear. Right. I like, you know, look, looking at stuff. And plus, I work at a sports store too. So, like, I get to see all the new baseball gloves, bats, umpire gear I drool over. And unfortunately, minor league baseball didn't uh, 
have a medium option. So I, I had to make sure I got a large, at least. <laughs> He's auditioning to be the new Jim Wolf. No, I'm, I'm coming after his job for biggest arms in professional baseball. Mm, sure. But there's only one Jim Wolf, and that ain't you, kid. Since you're there and you're talking gear, let's talk about it. Biggest rage this year in Major League Baseball, and I hear in Minor League Baseball, are shoes. It's a big deal. Any special yeah. shoes, or did you stick to the old faithful New Balances? So, yes and no. So I'm still rocking. Like I have the New Balance plate shoes like everyone has because that's the only plate shoe. The shoes. only one. But my base shoes are New Balance, but they're not like the carbon copy umpire New Balance. I got an I got a nice like synthetic leather uh, player turf shoe. Okay. Um, just to be different because I didn't like everyone wearing the same shoe. But uh, I got I got a couple like, different ideas for maybe next year, the year after. I want to get on the Jordan train. Rather interesting. Can't wait to read about you in ESPN and see what the new style is in a couple years. It's going to be overly tight shirts. That's that's going to be one of them for sure. It's always been a thing. Uh, look, look at Ted Barrett. Ted Barrett oh. is an old dude. He wears like size extra small jersey and he looks ripped. The one that really impressed me this year was Jeff Nelson. He walks around like he has biceps the size of watermelons. <laughs> Whatever. I've had this debate with other people. I think next year, as soon as umpires have to start giving verbal descriptions of the play after they've gone to review, now they're going to get, they say they're going to get microphones next year. I envisioned a lot of crew chiefs this year trying to rush out and bulk up. Oh, yeah. That's my prediction. Yeah, if, you're, if, you're, if you're always bulked up, you don't have to stay, you don't have to get bulked I, up. I know, but for years it's always been, you know, kind of whatever. But I think you're going to see a little competition oh, there amongst umpires. It'd be, be great for the game. I think so. Okay, moving on. Next section we call is 10 questions, okay? I asked you 10 questions right. if I like the answer. If I think we're going to disagree on it. Straightforward. You cool? Let's do it. Since we're talking about bulking up, let's talk about chicken wings. Seen this on the internet. Do you like the flat ones or the thick ones, the drumsticks? I'm a flat, flats guy. There's no meat on them. No. Drumsticks are you're not, you're, you're, not eating, you're not eating them properly. Oh, you can. You can one time, yeah, you can exactly. suck it, boom, and it's gone. No, and then you got to fight with the bone or whatever. No, it, it's drumsticks. Everyone has their opinion. Baseball season's over. Hockey season's getting going. You're from Canada. What's your Stanley Cup prediction? Stanley? Oh. Oof. I'm hard to not go with a three-peat. It's really hard to not go towards the lightning. But I think with their new goaltender, I think uh, the Avs are going to finally do it. One team. One team only. Still undefeated. In regular season play. Seattle Kraken, going all the way. <laughs> Everyone else is going down. Nobody else they're matters. Gonna, they're going to do what the Golden Knights couldn't? Oh, the, the, I don't even think they're going to have a season this year because Seattle's going to be that good. You coming from BC, I mean, come on. There must be going to be a lot of BC fans that will be cheering for the Kraken. That's uh, probably, but that's going to be like instant rivalry. Like there's a train that goes from Vancouver straight down to Seattle. Oh yeah, that's gonna be instant rivalry. No, I think that's I think that's good for the hockey world, and I that's why I think Vancouver needs a baseball team. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Well, if Montreal gets a baseball team, the West need a baseball team because that's not fair. Agreed. 
Okay, this is a little post-show edit, and we've already discussed the reason why in the introduction. But to my Seattle Kraken, I'm still cheering hard for you. Even though you're sitting in the shitter at eighth place, I still think that you can work your way back up. One reason is that they're only playing games in the States, so that helps you. That eliminates a bunch of the Canadian teams. Got to get your wins any way you can get them. As Tom Petty once said, I won't back down. Go crack and go. Now, back to the show. Let's go to streaming services. Are you a Netflix, Disney Plus, Crave? I don't know, all the other ones. Playboy? What are you picking? Playboy. Um, I'm kind of whatever. Um, I don't like to bounce around. I like to like binge watch something. Like I was Disney Plus because I was binge watching. Where were you binge watching? Um, I was banging the bell. Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Disney Plus. I mean, I got a five-year-old. They own everything. They got everything. It's way better than Netflix. I'm going to... There's something there for everybody. And Agreed. they just keep adding. What is the coolest thing you've ever won? Like a prize. This actually happened about a week or two before I got called up. And it's like one of those like everything good and bad happens in threes. But I won. I entered a contest on Instagram and I won... I won ski boots. Okay. Just, just awful, awful whim. Just, I was like, oh, cool. I already have a pair of your, this brand ski boots. I entered in this contest and it was like, I saw the notification on my phone. Yeah. Craig Burt, you win this contest to message us your size and the boot you're picking. I was like, no way. That is amazing. Cause like, it's not like it's some, you know, mom and pop shop. Yep. Instagram contest. This is like, really really well-known and popular ski boot company that's cool so, so you're trying to say those instagram yeah. contests are real like you're an instagram contest survivor heck yeah they are so sharing pictures of money and will get me money and good fortune next week i mean that that that, that might be a stretch but okay but winning ski boots is pretty cool <laughs> downhill or cross country downhill oh country where it's at i live on the prairies there's no hills well, that's all that, that's all you have to do out there what brand is ski boot then full tilt cool full there you have it then ski full tilt ski boots check him out on instagram and tell him that craig burt sent you share with us a talent you have you're putting me on the spot here a talent we've been talking um, for almost an hour i put you on the spot a lot i can sharpen skates i don't know i i'll give you that i mean that's i can't that's do it first one to kind of one of the first one I went I went with, I guess. Not everyone, I guess, knows how to sharpen skates. Okay, if you're so good at it then, what is the most desired edge radius? Uh, the standard we use at our shop is half inch, Ooh. but I try, and, I try and get people on five eighths at least. I skate on three quarters. It's quite flat. Can you share with our listeners what that really means? That's, well, there is no, well, it doesn't dig in the ice as much. Okay. So if you think of it as, like a, as a circle, the the smaller the circle, the more the edges will dig into the ice. Whereas the larger the circle, the flatter this blade is, the contact point is, so the so the edges won't dig into the ice as much. You came for baseball, but who thought you'd learn a bit about skate technology here on the leading edge? For fun, I'm going to throw a link in the show description that really explains what edge radius is, because it's always cool to know what you're skating on, especially if you're in a cold rink doing adult safe hockey league in the middle of the winter time. And you're cold and you're wondering why you just wiped out. You're wondering what your radius is. Okay, full disclaimer time. Wiping out in Adult Safe Hockey League may or may not have happened to former guest Aaron Roberts. But anyways, check it out in the show description, skate radiuses. Okay, you're down in the States for three, four weeks. You've definitely made it long enough that you can bring a few things back across the border. 
What did you claim in your duty free section? I didn't buy anything at the oh, at fine. the duty free. Nobody really buys anything at duty free, do they? I mean, you're really wasting money there. There's wow. always a premium on it and everything. But you got a CBSA agent by the name of Steve Butang breathing down your throat. He wants to know what you wasted your 800 bucks on. Phil, I didn't buy a dang thing. You I were in America thing? for three the weeks only, and didn't only, bring anything the only, home? The only thing I brought, hey, I brought back the experience of working professional oh, yeah. baseball. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's priceless. <laughs> my dad my dad drives Harley. He, I, there was actually a, a shop right by the Tampa Bay Race facility, and... It's the, every every name every Harley shop's different. It's not just like Harley Davidson, whatever. It's like the one in Chilliwack. It's Mountain View Harley Davidson. Well, the one in Port Charlotte, which is where the Tampa Bay Rays facility is, is Burt's Black Widow Harley Davidson. Oh, that's cool. It's B E R T. I'm B U R T. But still, I got him a shirt and a poker chip. That's what I spent my my dad. Mr. or Mrs. Border Officer, I would like to claim $12.11 on a shirt and a poker chip. You have never been into Harley-Davidson. Those are like $80 t-shirts. It's ridiculous. Yes, I've never been into Harley-Davidson. That, that, that is true. So I guess I'll have the next time I go. <laughs> when I go to Tampa and I go to Burt's Harley-Davidson shop, I'll be like, Burt sent me. Perfect. I can't guarantee you'll get a deal. I want you to reflect back on a lot of years in baseball in BC what is the craziest or silliest thing that you have seen Blaze LeVay or Steve Butang get upset about? I actually don't. I'd, I'd have to go Steve because I don't. I, I, I know Blaze through the national club, but I never really like hung out with him or got to know, with, know him until this past week and I'd worked a tournament for him. But I think Steve would have to be something, some, something to do with the Yankees. Probably Aaron Boone related too. Yeah, it's really too bad. Steve is a Yankees fan. Yeah, I'd have. Yeah, well, let's not go there. Let's not talk about the Yankees. You're in professional baseball, so I don't want to get you in trouble. Instead, let's talk about British Columbia. You live there. It's a beautiful province. Are you an outdoors person? Would you say that you're a hiker or a biker? I'm a hiker. I love to hike. I don't do it enough, but I do. I do like to hike. One of the perks about living in British Columbia, there's so much outdoors and stuff to do. Personally, I'm a biker. I like to get out on two wheels, downhill, cross country. It's a lot of fun. That is true. Strongly yeah, recommend I'm it. A very, I like my adrenaline, but I like controlled adrenaline. You develop so skill after like, a while. I'm not going to go bungee jumping, but I will go downhill skiing because I can control that. And to me, a, to me, a bike is a little less controlled. <laughs> uh, don't ask me why. That's just... Oh man, you got the wrong perception of mountain biking. Today's technology and bikes, there's so much stability. A rider should always be in control. The only time anybody really wipes out is when they try to go above and beyond their skill level and do something that, one, they're not able to do, or two, their equipment's not able to do. The same goes for downhill skiing. But the next question, what is one thing that you try to avoid paying for? Something that you don't see value in paying for? Close. <laughs> Can't go wrong. I'm on this kick and now. I'm trying to wear out everything I have. Like I'm two years now not adding a piece. It's so it's cool. And and part of that part of that's because of where I work. So like yes, I work at a sports store, but we also sell clothing. So if I'm out like with friends or whatever, and I'm like, oh, they go into a clothing, they go into a clothing store. I'm like, I can get the same shirt for like half price because <laughs> yeah, I work at it. Like I'll buy myself clothes, but it's like. I won't shop anywhere else but my work just because oh, yeah. I save money that way. Makes sense. Shop local. I worked in a 
small bike shop once and I bought all my clothing there. Support yeah. the people that support you. It's important. One thing that I detest paying for is parking. I will walk a mile before I pay for parking. I hate it. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good second. Yeah, it's a good second. I get so frustrated paying for parking, but I get more anxious because I'm really nervous that the meter maid is going to come around and ticket me. Since this is the last question, what is the last song you've had stuck in your head? The last song I have stuck in my head. <laughs> Shania Twain. Oh. Man, I feel like... Ah, oh, dude, that's brutal. Hope it's not stuck in your head anymore. That's a bad one. No, no, it was... The, the, the boys were getting after it down in Florida. We uh, That was a highly requested song. Man, that's so Canadian cliche. I can see where they were trying to razz you about it, but exactly. I oh, that yeah. We get we. I don't want to say you get bad raps, but uh, I, apparently we don't say out. We say oot. Oot. Yeah. I always love when we get chirped about that. It's so original. It's almost like we haven't you heard listen, that before. You listen. It's funny. So I never heard. It, I never hear it myself. Hanging out with Alex Laurie. It's like. Do we sound like that to all Americans? Because I hear his Canadian accent. Oh, there's no question. Alex has a little maritime Canadian accent. There's yes. different accents right across this country. It's vast. To give our listeners a perspective, there's 8,890 kilometers or 5,524 miles of land border with the United States. Or let's give another perspective. It's 5,514 kilometers or 3,426 miles which is the longest distance from east to west. Now, that goes from Cape Spear, Newfoundland, and Labrador to the Yukon and the Alaska boundary. Or back to grade six math, the total area of the country is 9,984,670 square kilometers or 3,855,102 square miles. We have 52,455 islands. You can find the highest tides in the Bay of Fundy of Nova Scotia with a mean large tide of 16.1 meters. It's also the world's highest. The coldest temperature ever recorded was minus 63 degrees Celsius or minus 81.4 degrees Fahrenheit in Snag, Yukon. The sunniest spot to be is in Estevan, Saskatchewan, where it records an average of 2,500 hours of sun per year and 2,979 hours of clear skies. Now, thankfully, the skies are clear because when you're in Estevan, Saskatchewan, you can watch your dog run away for three days. But the interesting thing is, just like the rest of the country, you can actually watch your dog run away, but avoid Winnipeg at the same time. Now that everyone knows how big the country is, it would be irresponsible to say that we all should sound the same. But when we're talking about Alex Laurie and the Maritimes, he, how would I explain it, sounds very... It's very profound. What a great way to explain Alex Laurie. He's very profound, and it's not his fault that he likes Shania Twain. <laughs> That's your words, not mine. Hey, Craig. Typically, after 10 questions, one of the things we do is called local legends. Now, you've already talked about the people that are giving back to Chilliwack Minor Baseball, and I thank you for that. One question I have for you, though, let's look at baseball umpiring in BC, and one of the cool things that the BCBUA does is they have a scholarship fund. Rumor is you might have been a recipient at one time. Would you care to share with us your experiences? Essentially, I did win the scholarship. I actually won full tuition. Um, I got $3,000 to pay for the tuition side of umpire school. Essentially what it is, um, oh, Steve and Rhonda, and along with other people as well, they were 
tirelessly trying to get grants and whatnot for this scholarship, as well as um, other donations like for raffle tables at like at advanced course at advanced clinics and our national clinic. Like example, I had that jacket I mentioned about gear. Well, I'm going to give that jacket to uh, Steve and Rhonda so they can put it on the raffle table. And it's just, it's paid into by other umpires. And to be quite frank, I would never have went to pro school if it wasn't for that um, scholarship. Actually, the Ron Butang Memorial Scholarship, named after uh, Steve's father. And Steve shared with us kind of the history behind that on his show. This comes back to people giving back to the program right until their last day. So it's really nice to hear about the Ron Butang Scholarship and the direct impact that it has on the future generation of umpires. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like just to go like the give back thing, like you're talking like we talked about. I don't want to be a dead horse, but I've already like in, I already know like I'm gonna continue to give back. Like whether it be giving gear I don't use or I'm gonna giving gear back I don't use, and then even then I message Rhonda like, hey, if I'm home can I come help instruct at the umpire Academy? Cause I want to do that. Cause I went to the umpire Academy and I want to be able to give back to those younger and potentially up and coming umpires as they're trying to maybe not even go to pro school, but just become a better umpire. At the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about working to become a better umpire, giving back to your local program, your local community, and just supporting one another in the umpire family. Well, Craig, that concludes this episode of The Leading Edge. I would like to thank you for giving us your time and sharing with us your stories. Now, as is tradition here on The Leading Edge, we like to give the guests the last words and last parting shot. We call it wise words of wisdom. Craig Burt from British Columbia, what are your wise words of wisdom? Anyone is even considering going to pro school. Don't consider it. Just do it. I don't care how old you are. If you want a job, you probably want to be like in the 20s. But even if you're 30s, 40s, whatever, go to pro school. It was the best four weeks of my life. I made so many lifelong friends and just became a better umpire. Like I can even with a pro ball aside, I'd come, I wasn't sniffing college ball back home, but I went to pro school, came back. Now I, I had the opportunity to work college ball. Um, and then to follow up, if you want to become a better umpire, go to Wendelstad. Yes, you still have the opportunity to get a job. But if you just want a job, go to the other school. The other school has the same instructors and supervisors as the advanced course. So if you want a job, go to the other school. If you want to have fun and become a better umpire, go to Wendelstad. Well, that concludes this episode of The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Stay tuned for our episodes ahead, where we look to bring to you what is going on in the umpire world of Canadian baseball. We're really hoping to connect with all the baseball provincial supervisors or representatives to touch base with them about what their goals and plans are for their organizations to get through the 2022 baseball season. In the weeks ahead, we look forward to hearing about some national umpire assignments and to kind of get back on track to what is going on out there in the baseball world. Now, before you go, 
we would like to leave you with this. There's a common rule myth that people believe that you must ask for timeout before you can make an appeal if a runner missed the base. My response to that is, no, just make the appeal. Take care, everybody, and stay safe.